0: Love Talk Radio.
1: We got something to say, <laughs> sure. but uh, not this station right here, we don't just got something to say, y'all, we got the truth.
2: Welcome Truth Seekers, you're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com and I'm your host Michael Fordham. If you just clicked the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog talk radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call, the number is 347-326-9470. Oh, you need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio. And you can always email me your questions and comments at ameasureoftruth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. The Cancer Support Foundation Incorporated has been very successful in providing clients with short-term services so that they have a life to return to when medical treatment is over. Since 2005, they have helped more than 2,500 families. Cindy Carter, welcome to A Measure of Truth.
0: Good evening, Michael.
2: Oh, thank you for joining us, Cindy. And you've been a very busy lady, and I really appreciate you taking time out. And um, it it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month as well as Cancer Awareness Month, I believe. And um, just appreciate you being able to share a little bit of insight about your organization and just about what people really need when they're going through this crisis.
0: I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to let your listeners know that, Cancer is not a death sentence anymore that cancer treatment is available. cancer treatment for many, many people is quite effective. You get through your treatment and back to work there's such the the problem is what happens while you're going through your treatment. It's what I call the quiet crisis,
2: yeah, yeah, and you know it's it's a very difficult thing to do too, because when people hear that you're either a caregiver or going through um This crisis in itself they don't really know what to say or do if they don't have anything that they can relate to it they often you know they want to help but they just don't really understand what it takes to be able to go through this give us an idea of some of the things that um, people experience when they are um, diagnosed with cancer and how their lives have to be adjusted
0: Well, I'm kind of coming from this whole experience from firsthand experience. I am Mm -hmm. a cancer survivor myself. I'm also a four-time caregiver, and in many Mm. respects, being a caregiver was harder than Having the cancer, at least as a caregiver i could I had certain things that I could do. I mean being a survivor, I had certain things I needed i know needed to go and do, but being a caregiver, you really feel very hopeless and helpless and mm-hmm. that is part of the problem when somebody gets diagnosed is that their friends and their family really don't know what to do and they get frightened and many times instead of stepping up and helping, they stay in the sidelines, they don't know what to say, they're afraid to say because it might be the wrong thing. Hopefully your listeners will get a better understanding tonight of what faces somebody and maybe some ideas on what they can then step in and do. Typically what happens when somebody gets diagnosed with cancer, the big C word puts a real cold chill through your body. I know it did with me and, you know, then you go through all your testing, um, your various m- meetings with everybody in the world that you have to go see. And so much of the time, at this point, you've used up your sick leave and you've used up any of your vacation leave and you end up being fired from your job. We mm-hmm. run into this a lot. Mm-hmm. And under in Maryland, under the Maryland unemployment law, you're not able to get unemployment if you're out sick. So wow. the kind of, yeah, this has been a big problem. Uh, a lot of people know that they will not be able to get unemployment, so they go ahead and quit their jobs when they're so sick because they don't want to be fired and have that on their record. So either way is they're facing going through treatment. Many times they don't have a job. Then there is no nothing out there that really steps in with a stopgap type of situation to help them. Now, cancer is quite different from most other types of um, health challenges. For instance, if you have a gallbladder issue or if you have heart problems or you have a back that's bothering you, you can go either get a treatment, procedure, or medicine, and gradually you'll start to feel better. Mm -hmm. With cancer treatment, every time you get chemo, your body has the potential to react worse, Mm -hmm. and you typically go through eight cycles of treatment let's say breast cancer a woman gets diagnosed with breast cancer she gets the biopsy and let's say she goes and gets the lumpectomy done well then she has to wait a month for everything to heal up before they start on the chemo the chemo is every three weeks for eight treatments so if you do the math on that that takes you quite a far way in for month wise Um, each time she gets the chemo she can feel worse then they give her a month to heal up and then they start many times in radiation which is a treatment of a few minutes every day for six to seven weeks and typically the radiation is easier to deal with for most women um but it makes you very very tired Mm -hmm. so i know with me when i finished radiation it was about six weeks before i started to get my energy back So if you add up all the time, you're looking at six months to a year that somebody could potentially be out of work, um, no support coming in, uh, that they still have to pay their bills before they get back to work. Most people, like myself included, you get through the treatment, you get back out, and for many times, people, it's just a bump in the road where, you know, this is not going to be another issue for you, but you still have to deal with, okay, how do I keep the lights on? How do I feed my family? What about rent, co-pays? Uh, and there again, how to get back and forth to my doctor's appointments if, let's say, I lose my car because I can't pay the car payment. right? These are what I call the quiet crisis because they're a crisis that nobody really wants to talk about. And many times people, I think, assume that families can get unemployment while they're out, and at least that would help them. But in a lot of cases, that's not the case. We have a number of families living in homes that haven't paid their mortgages for six to nine months hoping to get through the treatment and back to work before they get foreclosed on.
2: Wow. So and
0: it's it's a real problem.
2: Yeah, and it is. And, you know, the Cancer Support Foundation really addresses um, the needs of everyone because you're talking about just not one person but how cancer impacts a family. And um, tell us a little bit about the services that um, Cancer Support Foundation offers and how you're able to ease these stresses.
0: Well, in 2005, I had already been diagnosed, but a a friend of mine who has ovarian cancer Uh, And I talked about setting up a foundation, and we actually met with the American Cancer Society to find out if anybody was already doing it. And, of course, we were said, oh, can you start tomorrow, type of thing. (laughs) The thing that bothered us the most is there was an attitude of, you know what, I'm sorry you have cancer, but guess what, you have the wrong kind of cancer. We Mm. can't help you because you don't have breast cancer, you don't have leukemia, you don't have this, or you're not a child, Mm or this type of thing. So we decided we need to set up a foundation that will take care of what we call everyday living expenses. And right now we are the only foundation in the state that does this, and I'm pretty sure we're the only one in the country that does it Mm. because it is difficult to raise money for everyday living expenses. Now, to me, it's a very simple idea that, you know what, I'm a senior accountant by trade. So I'm a very debits and credits, bottom line, what are the expenses? (laughs) You know, what's coming in, what's going out? Mm -hmm. Well, to keep the lights on and to keep food and gas, if you don't have those things, you're not going to be able to get through your treatment successfully. So we decided let's set up a network of um, different things that would help us do that. So what we have done is looked at what services are available already. Mm-hmm. Now, for some people, there are some services out there, but so many of the services like energy assistance or rent help or something like that, you have to be extremely – you have to have almost no income coming in. So in other words, if you're a single parent, you could make you—you you could take advantage of those helps. If you're uh, in a relationship or married and there are two people in a household or more, if one loses their job, you typically have a hard time getting help from anywhere. So we have stepped in and, for instance, if somebody calls us and says, you know what, I have just had to leave my job because I'm too sick, what am I going to do about my rent, my utilities, and my car? Well, utilities, we've had been very successful with several contacts we have keeping the lights on. First thing we tell everybody is to get a letter from your doctor to the utility company telling them what you're going through to get on file whether it's B-Genie or Pepco or Allegheny or any of the other agencies. It doesn't mean they won't turn it off, but it means when they deal with me that they won't turn it off. We do not have the power companies turning power off and our clients that have the letter on file. So keeping somebody's power on has become easier because I've learned some tricks of the no. trade for it. Mm-hmm. Rent is a difficult situation. Uh, we just had a woman that uh, a television station did a story on that was on the streets of Baltimore undergoing chemo, living in abandoned houses. Now, she had lost her apartment because of another disease. Hmm. Then she ends up homeless, and she wow. ends up in an emergency list, gets cancer, contacts me. Well, we were able to finally get a coverage on it, and about two weeks ago, we got her into a home. Now, that is one of our more serious problems, but mm-hmm. typically a lot of our clients face with, okay, I'm out of job, I can't pay my rent, I've been taken to court. Um, nowadays, if you do not have minor children, you can't get eviction prevention. Uh, and that, again, that's only a one time help, and these people are facing six months to a year. So many times people have to, are faced with the fact that they've got to move in with family, which is not always pleasant um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but in many ways it's the only thing that can be done mortgages and homes people live in their homes without paying their mortgage and as i talk to them you know we can give you numbers of national foundation there are several very good ones they can pay a little bit here and a little bit there but they will only help with reimbursement for copays for doctors wow. they won't pay money outright for rent or for lights, or for food. They will help typically with copays to doctors or co-pays to transportation. Now, we pretty much cover everything, and we've been asked to find homes for animals after an owner's died. We got a suit for a gentleman to go to Mass before he passed. Um, we've, you know, we've been involved in all sorts of things. It's easier to list what we don't do. We don't pay doctor bills, and we don't pay hospital bills. Mm -hmm. Because in Maryland, we have not found that that's an issue. If somebody's under care of a doctor and they lose their job and lose their insurance, they will typically still continue to be treated.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: But there's nobody there that's going to help with their lights or their rent or uh, keeping their car on the road. You know, to me, Michael, that is the key to them getting through the disease and getting back Mm -hmm. to work as a contributing person in society where then they can feel like, you know what, I beat this, I can go on with my life. If right. they lose their car, mm-hmm. that's a major, major setback for anybody.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, something you said in the midst of all the um, the information that you gave us just now is um, the fact that a lot of people who are diagnosed with cancer are already dealing with other medical issues. And it just compounds you know them taking care of themselves at that point, and all of these things falling apart um really leaves a person hopeless and um
0: hopeless and very frustrated,
2: yeah, and very frustrated and um you know one thing a person with cancer needs is they need relief in the sense that they they can go through the treatment and get better, but they have to be able to be positive. They need some relief from that stress as well, and that's a very, very important part of the healing process.
0: It's a funny thing you mentioned that because I'm an eight-year survivor,
2: Mm -hmm. and
3: eight
0: years ago my oncologist would never agree that stress had anything to do with with cancer, which Mm -hmm. I know different. Mm
3: -hmm. Now,
0: eight years later, my clients are telling me all the time, you know, Ms. Cindy, my doctor said if I do not get my stress under control, I won't get through my treatment well and my cancer will come back. I mm. hear this all the time. Mm. So now there is an awareness. But mm-hmm. on the other side of it, then they're saying to me, but how am I going to take care of my stress if I don't have enough money to keep my car on the road? That is stressful. And that's one of the big problems is their stress gets so much more than just having the cancer. It's trying to deal with all the issues at home, and in many times, then, their friends are not there to help them. A lot of times, and when somebody gets diagnosed, everybody scatters, mm. and, you know, there are things that people can do. One prime example, and I tell all the people – tell clients all the time – we act as a bank for families that want to do a fundraiser, which means the money is tax deductible for people that donate for them, and we don't keep a fee, so we take all the money and give it right back to them.
3: Oh, that's this awesome.
0: way, this way, their friends, if you have friends that truly want to help you and say, what can I do, tell them to get together a group of people, put on a bake sale, put on a bull roast, put basket bingo, do something for a fundraiser because that way the money will go to the person. They can use it then to keep their car in the road, pay their mortgage or their rent. Once they get through their treatment, there's always time to get caught up on medical bills.
2: Now, what you're saying is, is does that make the money then tax deductible that they're giving?
0: If they do use us as a bank? What Mm -hmm. happens is their friends do a fundraiser and people make donations to Cancer Support Foundation, which is Mm -hmm. tax deductible. Right. Then we turn around and send that money back out to them because that's our purpose is to send money out to clients.
2: That's brilliant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But most foundations don't do that now because it's a lot of extra work. It means that every time there's a check that comes in, we have to send out a thank-you note. We can get hundreds of checks being donated for families. Mm. It's extra work, but you know what? To me, it is a major thing that we can do to really help families. We had somebody that just raised $23,000 for a family. We Mm. had another family on the eastern shore that was able to raise $10,000. We encourage families to do this because, there again, when you get diagnosed – your friends get terrified, they feel helpless, they don't know what to do. If you can give somebody something specific to do, yes, they feel like I can be part of helping you. It keeps them busy, it keeps them on the positive mode of looking at you as if you're going to get through it and back to work. Most people do. A lot of people, I mean, still, everybody, when you hear the word cancer, it's frightening.
2: Yeah, and, and not only that, but you're, you're you're actually giving people an opportunity to do something that really works, that really makes an impact. And oh, yeah. And that, that is just I, I I'm amazed at that. I did not know that, and um that that's just brilliant to me. I I, I have to sit on this for a minute and just think it over. <laughs> I just think that's such a great idea, and um you know one of the things that I always say um. Whenever there's something that happens like an earthquake or crisis, like in Haiti, for instance, that, you know, you deal with organizations who've already been there on the ground, who've been doing something already because everyone that's out there new, that's a flash in the pan because if it's a hot topic now that all of a sudden becomes a, a nonprofit to say that they're helping. They really can't have the kind of impact that people who already know what's going on in these locations. So you coming from cancer as a survivor and as as that being your experience have really, I mean, and I don't even know if this was a financial burden for you considering um, you're, you're being an accountant, but the fact of the matter is is you've developed something that serves a need so greatly that it impacts the person who is the person in care as well as the caregiver and all other family members and friends and family who just want to help out. And I, I just applaud you for that. I, I'm I'm amazed at it.
0: Thank you. Well, a prime example of what happened is the woman that was on the streets when the show was run, they ran at 11 o'clock at night. They had such an overwhelming call in and email in that they ran it the next day at 5 and the woman, we were able to get her into a home because guess what? Somebody in the community had a house that had just been renovated, that they were in the RAP program, the rental assistance program, called the housing people and said, guess what, the woman that's on TV, I want her to have this house to rent, and I'm going to lower the rent for her. Wow. This was a – and i tell you, then when we moved, we moved her in. People came from all over with a little bit here. They say I don't have a bunch, but I want to make sure I help her. To me, that was the best thing we could have ever done because it shows the community a horrible situation. The news reporter said it's the worst thing she'd seen in 25 years,
3: hmm. a terrible
0: situation. We appealed to the community to just tell the story, and the community said, I want to help, and I'll tell you, that's what, to me, it's all about. My Mm -hmm. mom used to tell me about when she grew up in the Depression, how you did not have as many problems as one might have thought during that time because everybody reached out. She lived on a farm. They always had strangers or people that came in. They fed them food. They let them sleep in their barn. They always reached out to help people, and we've kind of gotten away from that, unfortunately.
3: Yeah. But
0: by doing this, I'm encouraging people to do something. And I'll tell you, the people that are involved in that say to me, Cindy, I really feel so good now because I've helped her get better. And that's truly what they're doing.
2: Awesome. And, you know, one of the things that um, I wanted to talk about as well, and um, you know, your organization is different from other foundations, and that's just one way. But also, you know, when people want to volunteer, when they want to make themselves a part of um, an organization that's Giving, they often find that they, they're in a situation where you have to know so much about it because there's this strange pecking order there when you try to just come in and help, but then there's another structure there that you kind of have to combat with in order to fit in. Tell us how your organization is different in that aspect as well.
0: Okay. The number one way we're different from any other foundation is we help families with any kind of cancer, any age, anywhere in the state, pretty much any income bracket. So that pretty much encompasses what nobody else is doing.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And I specifically have done that to make sure that people are not turned away. Now, from a volunteer point of view, we do have volunteers that do what is intake, where they talk to um, people, get the information, and send it to me. Actually, one of our best volunteers now is one of our clients who has one half of one lung, and she's 64, and she's raising six grandchildren. And she says to me, Cindy, I'm having a down day. I need some more people to talk to. And I tell you, my (laughs) clients love her
3: because Mm. she
0: understands the fear, the anger, and the depression they're going through. And they call me all the time, and they say, Cindy, that lady is fantastic.
3: Mm. So
0: that is one thing people can do to volunteer. We have a lot of other activities that are going on. We also do a lot of research, for instance, um, the unemployment, the federal disability law, all this type of thing. We're always looking for people that want to come in and just do some Google research and get me some basic information on the ins and outs. We, from time to time, have cases where I know we have a gentleman now that is trying to raise a son on under $400 a month. Now, my gut tells me there's something wrong with this. That somewhere somebody's mis-evaluated, mis mislooked at how much money he can get by with. Even on Section 8 housing, he can't pay the bills. It's, there's just no way.
1: And right. we've gone
0: through with him in his budget. So we also have a lot of activities. We have fundraisers that are going on. Um, We also are Maryland and and federal charity, so we always need just simple things like our bags, you know, our resource guide put in bags with our purple rose to be given out to people. So we have a lot of fun things to do.
3: Mm -hmm. We have a
0: lot of research. We have um, patient contact, client contact if somebody wants to do that. Um, It's just a variety of things, and nobody needs to know anything about cancer. Nobody needs to know anything about um, what to say to anybody because you're, never put, you know, you're put in a position of something you feel comfortable with. We right. do have a number of cancer survivors that do like to um, you know, do the intake for us because they understand and they're not afraid to talk about it. Or if somebody hasn't had the experience, they might want to do more research for us or mm-hmm. help us with our, our fundraisers. We've put on a number of spa days which are not your typical spa. They have a lot of complementary and alternative um, acupuncture, Reiki, massage, yoga, Mm -hmm. meditation, Mm -hmm. all the types of things that people need to be introduced to to keep the stress out of their body. So that's pretty Mm -hmm. much what our spa day has been. So we Mm -hmm. use a lot of volunteers for that. Um, Tell us about what
2: you've got coming up in the near future because it may ring a bell for someone.
0: Exactly, we have a what I call Shop to the Music It's a shopping event in Columbia, December 3rd And we have partnered with a company to do a child ID program It's free, so if you decide to come and shop and see what our various vendors have We have a jazz duo that will be there for a couple of hours We have a mm-hmm. woman playing the piano for a couple of hours We have a dance group for a couple of hours So as you're shopping, there will be some music and if you bring your children, there's a free child ID program where they do the fingerprinting and putting into the computer and all the basic information.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, that's going to be at the Double Tree in Columbia, and the first 300 people will get a free Double Tree, free fancy cooking. So, that is one of our last fundraisers for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think that that's December 3rd, which is on a Saturday, and it's 10 to 4. So that is an all-day come, come in and come out. We will be accepting cash donations to help our families during the holidays.
2: Right. Well, then you that's know, If people awesome. want to
0: donate, that is great because that way we can, you know, we do a lot of getting food baskets. We also have had volunteers in the past do food drives. And we've got a, funny, we've got a group now of a karate studio that's doing a food drive for us that then we will take and box up and take out some families in need. Um, we had last year a whole group of veterans. So we're always that went did the food drive. We're always looking for groups that say, you know what, we wanna come in and do this as a project. We've had private schools come in, we have scouts come in, we've had a number of groups that said, You know what? We wanna go and help, we can collect food and then they say to me, We wanna deliver. And I said, Okay, you need to understand these you know, you are taking children, some of these people are pretty sick.
1: And Mm. you need
0: to understand that ahead of time. But you know, Michael, the reports I get back, the parents call me and say, oh, thank you, Cindy. My kids love that, and now they understand what other people are going through. Right. And that's important.
2: It
3: is. We have too
0: many people that live not understanding. They live in a little bubble, and they Mm -hmm. don't understand how important it is to truly see what happens to families. Right. And it's all walks of life. I mean, we, most of our clients have either insurance or they're on medical assistance. I don't find getting treated as is an issue. I do find, you know, keeping a roof over the head becomes an issue.
2: Right. Now now you've got people, they're burning now to go to your website. So go ahead and tell them where they can um, find more information about how to get involved and all your contact information and a lot more about the Cancer Support Foundation.
0: Okay. Our website is dot cancersupportfoundation.org, or you can always call us at 410-964-9563. You can email us through the website, and we check on that all the time. Um, We do have people from various states in the country that contact us, If you have a friend or family that's in another state, you can still contact me because I will be back in touch with you and let you know of some national foundations that can help people anywhere in the country besides just what we can do for Marylanders.
2: Oh, that's great. And um, there's something on your website that says help change the law. Tell us a little bit about that and your efforts to help change the law.
0: Right now, as I had said earlier, the Maryland Mm -hmm. Unemployment Law, surprisingly, if you're a high-risk pregnancy and you're home on bed rest, you can get unemployment. If you are out sick and many companies do not have FMLA, if you do have the FMLA, the Family Leave Act, um, your job is protected for three months. But then we find many people after that go back and then they get fired within a couple weeks. The unemployment law would make it so, and we're getting it introduced January into Annapolis. We're working with a marketing company that's working with the, the avenue that you need to do to get a law introduced that would say if your cancer is such a stage that you will be able to get through treatment and be able to go back to work, you should be able to have at least some unemployment, the same as if somebody you were home on bed rest with a high-risk pregnancy. So we're going to get that introduced in January um, and, you know, see how that goes. Um, You know, I know with budget, there are going to be all the screams and hollers about money. But, you know, if nobody does it, it has no chance of getting in.
3: Absolutely. And I am
0: not one to take no for an answer. So (laughs) I I will be at it and be at it until it gets taken care of.
2: Well, that's very good. I mean, and that's definitely something worth fighting for because – you know, a lot of these things are not brought to the forefront because um, the people who have to go through this generally don't have the um, wherewithal after the fact to be able to fight for the things that they need. And um, and it's great that you would take up this um, this banner to get out there and to do something else again that will make a big difference. I mean, this will impact the lives of hundreds of thousands of people.
0: It will be, right now in the United States, the only state that we can find that does this is New Jersey. If mm-hmm. we can get Maryland to do this, it would pretty, we're hoping it would start and change it for states around, because it's such an area where it's kind of all one big area.
3: Mm-hmm. Somebody
0: had asked me a year and a half ago if I had one wish that would make, that I see would make a big difference for cancer families what would that be? And I said, changing the unemployment law because then if I could work with families that had something coming in, we could get them through the situation so much easier and under so much less stress. Yeah. And we deal with people all the time that started out, Michael, with lots of money and by the time they get through this, they have nothing because the cost of the cancer meds is so high, and it's not like you can go to Walmart and get a $5 prescription. I mean, we did a filming of a gentleman that his wife just passed, and he has a 14-, a 15-year-old daughter that he's raising. And when we went to film him, he walks downstairs. He says, wait a minute, got to go upstairs. He walks downstairs with a bag still stapled from the pharmacy. And then at one hand, his other hand, he had a container of pills. And he shakes the bag, and he said, this is $7,400. Wow. And this, the the bat, the other one with the pills was thirty eight hundred dollars. Now hmm. those were what are called oral chemo pills. Hmm. Chemo comes in the form of a pill, and a prescription uh, insurance companies have decided it's not chemo, so they will not pay for it. Like they will if you go get the infusion. Now his wife had had wow. the infusion. How
2: do they get to decide what is e-
0: exactly? Oh. That wow. is another law we'd love to get changed too. So he had been paying over $11,000 for the last five months of his his wife's life, and he has mounds and mounds of hospital bills and all sorts of stuff. And and here he is. He had done very well. He's a very well-to-do real estate agent. He said, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these bills. They've gone through all their money. So this is, a, this is an ongoing problem. We easily have people that are spending $20,000 on some of the colon cancer drugs. They can be anywhere between twelve dollars and $20,000. Hmm. We have a woman now that needs a drug for leukemia that comes in a pill form. That's $8,400. And her insurance company will pay 80% like it's a prescript. 20% of that is $1,628. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I
0: mean, that's a house payment yeah and that's one drug that's only one of the drugs, and she has to be on that for the rest of her life and she's only fifty and it's and it's well under control and this and it won't be a big issue for her, but the money will is a big issue, so it's just a whole different thing that people don't really understand. you know I did a um there was a very fantastic doctor that I heard on Saturday at a church um show that we did, and he was going through all the marvelous miracles of what's happened to cancer treatment. And I got up and told the crowd, I said, you know, what this doctor just said is so true. Cancer is not a death sentence anymore. You will live and thrive and go on to, you know, be a ver- be able to work for a long time as a cancer survivor. But we are so far behind in the social aspect." What happens to a family? Because when you get diagnosed, your family gets diagnosed. And it exactly. impacts the whole family, whether it's a mm-hmm. mom or dad, your children, um, the whole, every, all your extended family. And families end up going through everybody's money trying mm-hmm. to keep somebody going while they're going through this. That's why I think it's up to 60% of all bankruptcies now are filed because of medical reasons it used to be 50 I think now it's gone up to 60 that's tremendous it is I mean that just blows your mind if you stop and think about the ramifications of that
2: yeah because um, even someone who is planned well for their future if you don't have this covered it can take you out and um, it doesn't take long because of the amount of money you would spend on these medications and the treatments itself um you, you could quickly go through all of your savings and this is what and we people have people do. doing. Yeah, they go four, through their savings 401ks, the 401ks.
0: Yeah. Yep, everything.
2: You know, and um yeah, it, it's just shameful. It's shameful that um we live in a society that allows these things to go unchecked. And um I just wish you the best with what you're trying to do and um hopefully as this goes forward as well, um we can have you back on to give us an update and, on this bill. And if there's anything that our listeners can do to um, make a phone call or kind of push some folks in power in the right direction or just to help them to see the light, let us know.
0: We have a petition on our website. In the very, oh, first very page. Good. They can go in and look at that. Um, mm-hmm. That's just basically to show people, um, so the people that would take the bill to, that, you know what, grassroots wants it changed. And I'll tell you, that's how laws get mm-hmm. changed.
2: So that's the click here button. Roots. So the click here yep. button allows them to sign that. Okay. Very yes, it's good. A
0: petition they can go in and do.
2: All right. And, um, you know, <laughs> your organization is doing so much and it covers such a, a broad base of things. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's very, very few people who are committed as much as you are into to making things work, and um, I just really appreciate you just being um, so driven. Um, can you tell us some of the challenges you had in the beginning and starting this, or how did it go for you?
0: It's been an uphill battle, <laughs> put it that way. Mm-hmm. It's funny because when you deal with everyday living expenses, mm-hmm. you typically are not able to get grants from other foundations. Exactly because they don't like everyday living expenses. So we mm-hmm. have done a lot of fundraisers. We are a Maryland and a federal charity, so we do a lot of shows, and people have been very generous and donate through their payroll deductions. Um, we do get a community common grant, so we are able to help uh, about 100 of our clients each year with transportation and communication. But the problem is with not major amount of money coming in, our help is what I call a tourniquet and Band-Aid. Right. So a lot of what we have to do for, pay, for clients, besides monetarily what we can do, is advocate for them. Also exactly. help them things, for instance, we may have um, a couple where one of them is very, very sick and the other one has health problems and can't take care of her, her or his spouse when they come home from the hospital. And dealing with families like that and telling them, okay, here's what you have to say, here's what you have to do to get your loved one into a rehab facility while they gain their strength before they come back home. We have people that uh, have a loved one that's about ready to enter into hospice care, but they don't really know how they're going to handle the day in and day out of the care of somebody or really what that type of thing means. So because I the last two people that I took care of were both my mom and dad, the last 14 months of their life, both dying from cancer. And I had just gotten a contract with the city of Baltimore with an accounting package in the budget bureau. So I was up running a help desk at 7 in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning and you know somebody had that we had to also take care of my mom and dad 24 7 Mm. so it's a very very difficult thing and because of those experiences i have also become a very uh, and i've always been a practical i think people that are accountants maybe you know maybe more you know that direction than some other people but i've always (laughs) been very practical but after i've been a caregiver four times i I'm very practical. I give people very practical advice. Here's what you need to do. And sometimes it's as simple, not simple, but it's basic as, you know what? You have family in the area. The family is willing to help you. You're going to be evicted from your apartment. Let's don't put yourself through that stress. You don't have the money to pay the rent, and it's already a month, two months behind. Move yourself into with your family get through your treatment, and then move yourself back out. And something as simple as that, they say, you know what? I hadn't really thought of it that way. I said, you know, it's not the end of the world. I know it may be unpleasant and there may not be the dynamics there that you want, but I said, is it better to get put out on the street with a sheriff coming? Because there are no shelters. I tell them we've been that route with clients getting into shelters. I mean, if we have somebody that's out on the streets, and we've had this before, we have to send them to the emergency room of the hospital. I tell them, go in, be quiet, don't make it you know apparent that you're living there, stay there until we're able to find you somewhere. Because it's, you can't just go and get into a shelter if you become homeless.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow. So.
0: You know, don't put yourself through this stress. And they said, well, I'll just go to a shelter. I said, no, you can't get into a shelter by just picking up the phone and saying, I'm coming. There's waiting lists to get into shelters. And the woman that was on the streets, we couldn't get her into a shelter because she was undergoing chemo and nobody would take her. They told me that. Hmm. So I tell the people undergoing treatment, you know, go look at this story. I'm going to tell you what will happen. So let's do this. I will send you money to help you get a, a moving van to pack up your stuff, move into a friend's or your family's, stay there while your treatment, be safe, be calm, reduce your stress, and then move back out. And right. the common answer to me is, you know what, I hadn't really looked at it that way.
2: But you And, and you say, can see why. You can see why because no one has that kind of plan waiting to figure out what happens. And another thing is, too, the cancer is such a heavy burden on you. You can no longer think straight. Yeah. Exactly. It's the simplest things that you can't see in front of you because none of them remove the biggest burden or the biggest unresolved stress in your life. So it's really hard to see past it.
0: And it's also somebody other than their family telling them this. Yes. It's like when I was raising my boys, you could get strangers to tell them something, and it was gospel, but if I would tell them, it's like, oh, mom, you don't know anything.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. it's So,
0: it's, oh, But with somebody not being their friend or their family, telling mm-hmm. them, hey, this is the best way to do, then it becomes, okay, Cindy said this is the best way to do, and that's fine because I give them – power of control. The worst thing about having cancer besides the disease is mm-hmm. you feel so completely powerless and you've lost control. And right. if I can work with people and get one aspect of their life that now they feel like they have control over. They take a deep sigh and said, "Thank you, Cindy. I've got control over that." And that's what people are looking for. They just mm-hmm. want to control mm-hmm. something. Yes, Where they don't feel like they're getting pushed around by everybody else all the time, poked and prodded and told what to do. They want to control something of their life. Mm. And that's the thing that gives them power. And I'm finding that is if I can find a solution for them that gives them power in something, gives them control, whether it's where they live or a way to keep their car or whatever, one aspect of control. Then they say, okay, I can do this now. But if you strip somebody of all control and give them a bad disease, yeah. well, you know, they just, they, go, they just completely collapse and they're not able to think through or do anything. And you'll find people completely frozen over the most minor task. They just cannot do it because they're too overwhelmed. They don't, and if you give them something they can control right away, as I'm working with them, I see they're getting stronger and stronger, and they're saying, "Oh yeah, I got it all under control now," because that's the big word, the control. Yeah. When, and you lose it when you get diagnosed. I mean, mm-hmm. when you hear somebody tells you you have cancer, you feel like you, there's a feeling like you never, you just can't imagine until you hear the word. Right. And I told my family when I was diagnosed you know what, I can't do anything about the fact that I have breast cancer. The only thing I can do is control how I deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that gave me the strength to get through. And I'm using that now with people. Give people something they can control, and it's amazing how much they can deal with.
2: Yeah. And just having a normal day a normal day just disappears when that happens. Well, I guess I have to tell you, my wife is a breast cancer survivor and I've been a caregiver as well. And um, it was the most difficult thing for us that we've ever dealt with in our Mm -hmm. lives, in our marriage. And um, her sister was diagnosed with cancer, God rest her soul, prior to that, which returned several times and she passed just this May. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was a time where they were both going through chemo at the same time and our family members didn't know who to go and see.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, and um, it it was just a very trying time. It was something that was very difficult to get through, but the most important thing was for people to do and behave the way they had been because the normal things that we could do were, were just so precious, you know, and, um,
0: Well'll give you a different perspective on life when you go through cancer yourself or when you go through being a caregiver, uh, I know it has with me your whole you look at things differently. I don't sweat the small things. exactly. I mean, it's just a different perspective in life. things that people mm-hmm. used to get upset over. It's like no big deal anymore It's, right. it's not like you have cancer. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've, my, you know, I, just my, I have five, seven grandchildren, and they, you know, right. they do the drama routine, and I just look at them. They mm-hmm. say, "Yeah, Grandma, I know you hear a lot worse stories." I said, "I understand your story is bad for you, but you need to put it in perspective." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's what cancer unfortunately does for families, and it puts them in perspective. And a lot, unfortunately, a lot of families don't make do very well. We have a lot of women that get diagnosed that their husbands leave them. That is a very common story.
2: I've heard that. I can't believe that. I can't imagine that.
0: Yeah, it's a very common story, and
2: Mm.
3: it
0: it makes no difference in how long they've been together, but I get a call from them, all upset, their husband's left. It Mm -hmm. happens all the time.
2: Yeah, I actually heard that from my pastor when I met with him, and when he told me that, I just could not understand that. How could... You know, I, at that time, too, it's just amazing to me. I, I mean, I just don't understand that. I really have nothing to connect to that frame of mind that would allow someone to just,
0: yeah, I don't know. Just leave at the, the time that you need. And, I, you know, going through that in my own family, um, it really lets you know who is made of what in the world as far as your friends mm-hmm. and your family. Mm-hmm. But getting through something like that makes a whole different perspective on your marriage. Yes. Um, it, it, I mean, it's just, uh, we always had a good marriage, but when you get through something mm-hmm. like that, it puts a whole different perspective on what you really mean to each other and what you can do. Right. But, you know, people, friends, if people in your audience know somebody that has cancer, reach out and think about doing a fundraiser or just take them a meal or, and say, you know what, I want to come over and do something like just clean your house for you.
2: Yes. And see, those, those are practical things that, things things that make so a much. difference. Exactly. Yes. And and this is where people miss the mark. Um, a lot of times they they want to empathize and think that they can say something that will help the situation, but it's actually There's the doing. There's
0: nothing you can say.
2: Yeah, right. yeah. There's nothing
0: it's, they can say that they can make other than I'm going to come cut your grass.
3: Do your laundry. To, I'm going
0: to... I'm going to do your laundry. I'm going to do some dinner for you. I'm going to clean Mm -hmm. your house. Can I get Mm -hmm. a bunch of our friends together and let's do a fashion show fundraiser? Let's do something Mm -hmm. and have fun and raise some money to help you.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, take you up. That type of thing. And that's what people need to understand. It's not something big. It's like the woman that was on the streets. So many people came together with a little here and a little there, but wow, now we've got her in a house.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
0: And that's the way it should be. You know, communities should come together and all do a little and solve a problem. And the people that did that, the smiles in their face, they were so excited about being able to help.
2: Yeah. And those people, too, that have an opportunity to volunteer as well. You know, um, whatever you may be going through, you'll find that support will come from all over to help you in whatever your crisis might be. And it may not be something as big as cancer, but this is what happens. People who are impacted learn something. They learn that there is joy in giving and making a difference.
0: Major joy in giving. Mm -hmm. Major joy in giving. And there's sometimes when things get really rough, I just remind myself of the different people that we've helped. And, you know, it gives me a lot of pleasure to know that, you know, they're a little bit happier because somebody was able to step in and do something for them.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to have a down day when you know in that day you've helped someone else. Right. Yeah.
3: And the only
0: down days are fighting the system. But, you know, I've gotten to a point now when they put a big black star by my name and when I call, they call me back. I'm going, yes, because now (laughs) I don't have to fight with you. I worked with one agency for 10 days and finally five days into the fight, they said to me, you're not going away. And I said, well, you took you a long time to learn that. I said, no, I'm not going away. (laughs) So finally, they did do what they needed to do, and they weren't happy about it. But, you know, we resolved the problem. It was a woman with two kids on the street when she was sick. There again, no place to live. Nobody would help her.
2: That's right.
0: Except split up the family. And I said, no, no, that's not. This is her her strength is these children always being there to help her. hmm so it's it's been a journey. I'll tell you, it's uh, I quit Corporate USA in 2006 to run the foundation full-time. Mm. We are all-volunteer foundation. We pay no salaries, um, and I plan to keep it that way. That way, the money coming in goes out to help as many people as we possibly can.
2: Wow, and that's another way you're different than other foundations. That's an amazing. That's right. And it's amazing, too, that you can keep a staff of folks and keep them committed and happy without paying salaries. That shows the commitment of those who are involved in your organization.
0: And a lot of these people have had experience with cancer themselves or somebody in their family, and so they really see. And I'll tell you, they do it because they say it heals them.
2: Yeah.
0: It makes them heal over the fact that they're able to go out then and turn around and help somebody.
2: Yeah. And that's true. And I just wanted to mention something you said about your relationship with your husband. My wife and I have never been closer than we are now after going through what we've gone through. And
0: exactly. we learn
2: quite a bit about each other. We learn oh, about each do. other's strengths and weaknesses and um you get to appreciate, you know, the the inner being, you know, and understand who that person really is when everything else has been removed.
0: Yes, very much so.
2: Yeah yeah well, Cindy Carter, I can't say enough about you i'm I'm just amazed at your your tenacity and your vigor and um, I just appreciate what you do and may God bless you for all the lives that you've impacted and will continue to impact and uh we just want to make sure you can tell us again how people can contact you, make sure that they have all the information, and if there's anything up and coming that, that you need to tell them about, please do it at this point,
0: okay. You can reach us at 410-964-9563 or go on our website at cancersupportfoundation.org, and we have a brand-new website that's going to be up in a couple weeks, which is going to be really dynamic with pictures and stories and all sorts of things. Um, Look on the website if you're interested in trying to change a law with a petition. And please support and have fun at the Shop to the Music event in Columbia, December 3rd from 10 to 4. Come, bring your kids, get a free child ID, get a free cookie, and shop for the holidays. And that is a free event.
2: Oh, that's great. That's great. And um, we just want to implore people to to get involved. Um, you really need to get yourself involved with something. And um, pick something that really has an impact directly on the community that you live in. And um, this is a great way to do that, Um You know, the Cancer Support Foundation Incorporated is impacting more lives than just people who are suffering from cancer, and it's impacting the lives of people who are actually participating and um, volunteering and also growing and becoming better people through helping others. So um I just thank you again Cindy Carter and um <laughs> you know um I can see why uh, the media is beating down your door to for your interviews because you are a dynamic personality and um I I'm just thank happy you. that you took the time out to share with us today and our listeners on a measure of truth and we look forward again to hearing from you real soon.
0: I would love to come back, and please, anybody that is either facing this or has family or church members, reach out and ask for help. And then also talk to me about how you can get your friends to rally around and help you get through this so you're not meant to do this alone.
2: All right, very good. Thank you again, Cindy, and we will talk with you soon. God bless you.
0: Thank you very much. I really appreciate being able to be on your show tonight.
2: If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things... Lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy. Not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story, too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here. And I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Well, truth seekers, we've come to the end of another great show. Special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardeman and associate producer, Pam Jackson. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you.